We are in our final uh, sermon in this series that we've been doing called Feasts in Scripture. Before I jump into the text, I did want to invite any and everybody who wants to get a little bit more face time with, with Karen Simon. Simon here is uh, uh, from France, and so let's give it up for France. Um, and Simon, uh, Simon and, and Kara um, are visiting and potentially... Um, we're uh, interviewing them to be music leader slash music coordinator for the church in the future. And so if you want to get to know them a little bit more, we're going to Mellow Mushroom right after worship today. And so uh, you're welcome to come to that. Um, we are in Luke 24, and uh, this is it's one of those uh, passages in Scripture that like, as a preacher, when you, read, when you read this text, you're like, I don't really need to say anything more at all because it is so good. Um, and I would say that Luke 24 is, is probably my favorite chapter in all of Scripture. It's very, it's very sad. It's also very funny. It's comical. Um, and, and every time Jesus rises from the dead, he seems to always be eating and uh, Luke, Luke highlights that, and so um, we're going to end our series kind of looking at how Jesus um, eats with uh, his disciples after he rose from the dead. And so this is, this is Luke 24, verses 25 through 43. The context of this passage is that people are, are sad because Jesus died, and he's walking with two people on the road to Emmaus, and they don't know that it's him. And he keeps asking them, why are you so sad? And he's like, tell me. Tell me what happened. What things happened in Jerusalem? Um, and so they're like talking out their sadness. And they're, they're frankly depressed and they're disbelieving and they're doubting. And so we're entering the story uh, right in the midst of that conversation. So Luke 24, verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken... Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent." So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and then they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us as we, he talked to us on the road and opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be to you. You know, and just be like, Whoa! <laughs> I would be like, oh my gosh, um, there you are. And they were startled, and that's what happened. They were startled and frightened, and they thought they saw a spirit, right? But Jesus himself, uh, he, said, he said, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. 
And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were, while they were still disbelieving for joy and marveling, he said, that, he said to them, y'all got anything to eat here? <laughs> and they gave him a piece of broiled fish, in some translations say, and also a honeycomb. Um, and he took it and ate it before them. So uh, that's God's holy word, um, and what we're going to do is uh, spend some moments in silence. This is what I think this passage teaches. Um, I think this passage teaches us that earth is very heavenly, and that heaven is very earthly. Let's pray. Father, the overlap of your kingdom into this world is what you say our hearts all long for, and that it's not somewhere out there that's remote, it's not some strange thing, but it's actually in us and near us, in our midst. And Lord, when you rose from the dead... um, It was amazing, it was startling, it was joyful, it was frightening. Lord, it was all the things that are true to our experience if we had been the ones walking with you on that road or if we had been the ones sitting around that table with you. And so I I do ask that you would give us fresh eyes, that you would open our eyes like you opened their eyes to see you fresh in Scripture in a way that leads us to worship, but the way in which we worship is to know, Lord, that you enjoy us, that you're so pleased uh, to be with us, to, to feed us, to dine with us, to eat, in the, <laughs> to eat in our presence while we sit there and watch you. And so, Lord, would you uh, give us a little, little taste of what these disciples had? In Christ's name, amen. Um, so, yeah, one simple point. He- heaven is earthly and earth is heavenly, and I think that's exactly what Jesus is showing us here um, after his resurrection. He's redeeming what, how we think about earth. He's, he's teaching us what uh, earth and the things of earth, its original intent, its original design without sin. Um, I was listening to a, uh, an interview this, this week with a guy named Andre 3000, former uh, rapper in the band Outkast, and he just put out a new album um, featuring wind instruments. And uh, there is an interview kind of talking about how he has handled the fame in his life and why he went with a wind instrument album. And he said, you know, and this is taking place in a laundromat, this interview. And he's like, I grew up going to laundromats because my parents didn't have a washer and dryer. And so I was kind of out in the community. He said, when we, when we made it big early with OutKast, uh, we got really famous. And now, now that I'm older in life, uh, I just want some normalcy. I want to be able to go <laughs> go to the laundromat and the and the playground with my kid. And he's like, I, you know, I can't. I'm old now. I can't rap about colonoscopies and you know the things that I, I <laughs> that I do now. And then uh, the interviewer was like, you know, it's weird when you're young. You're like striving. You want you want to become known and, and famous. And he said, yeah, we me me and my my rapping partner. We used to pray every morning. God make me a good rapper. And then he said. You know, we, we made it. We, we got very, very famous. And, and he said, I want to get this right. He said, uh, you want what you want until you don't want it. And 
I think part of what he was wrestling with, you know, it's not, it's not all bad to, to want to strive for greatness, nor is it all bad to want normalcy like at the laundromat. And what I think he was speaking into is this desire that we all have in our hearts uh, for transcendence and the things of earth, for, for normalcy and, and greatness. And part of what I think Jesus is teaching here after he rose from the dead is that it's actually in him that you will find the things that you truly want, whether it's fame or normalcy, and he's actually the only one that can hold them together and keep them together. Because I think what, what the heart wants is that overlap between heaven and earth. That we, we, we desire something beyond this world, but we also, I mean, let's be honest, like we really like a lot of things in this earth. Like a lot of the pleasurable things, like it's okay, what, what Jesus is saying is like, it's okay to, to like that stuff. I am for that stuff, but just know that it's in me that I hold together all of the goodness that I want to give you. And so part, part of what he's doing when he rises from the dead is that he is teaching us that he is God, but he's also teaching us that he is the true human being. That Jesus is what it means to be a true human being. And he's uh, teaching us how to get the most out of earth, in, in essence. Here's how um, the earliest Christians described what we call the gospel. In Colossians 1, and some of the implications of the gospel, listen, listen to this language. Paul says this in Colossians 1, and he's talking about Jesus. He says, he is the image of the invisible God. Okay? He's the firstborn of all creation. All things were made through, th- think about this, all things were made through him and for him. And in him, all things hold together. Isn't that interesting? And it says at the end of that, he's reconciling, he's reconciling heaven back to earth. That's how the earliest Christians thought about the gospel. And so when things get separate in this life, souls from bodies, family members from family members, um, all the conflicts that we face, what, what Jesus is saying is that it, what, that was not the original design. That was not the original intent of this world. So I want you to think about what he's doing. And, and on the ground level, you know, Paul's talking about it from like the high end level. But what, what's actually going on in the text of Luke 24 after he rises from the dead is that he's, he's, teaching, he's teaching all of us. He says, you know, Luke is saying, if this is God in the flesh, if Jesus really is God in the flesh, then he loves the things of earth in their original design, and and he's affirming our basic daily necessities, like food, like food's good, that the things of the earth will be, even in the new creation, pleasurably experienced when the resurrection comes. But two, God's intent was always to interlock heaven back to earth again, like Velcro. And when you see Jesus doing what he's doing in Luke 24, what you need to know is that that is a little movie trailer of what's going to happen to you. Like it's, it's a little window into your future 
of what life will be like when you are risen from the dead. And all the things of earth that we love, it will be wonderful with just without all the bad stuff. Look at verse 29 through 32. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. Like, okay, think about this for a moment. I, I have been asking myself all week, like, I don't know if y'all have had this experience with, with God. Some of you may not be Christians here this morning. We're super glad you're here. If you are a Christian, you've had experiences of God. And sometimes if you're not a Christian, you've had experiences of God. There's this thing that happens where it's like, oh my gosh, this stuff is true. And you, and you, you experience it like on a, on a given day, doing a, a particular thing. And then Jesus just seems to vanish. You're like, well, this is just a gas station. You know, I thought it was like a holy space here. And uh, where did you go? You know, um, why does, I don't know the answer to this. Okay. Like, why does God work that way? Like, why is it when you sort of sense that like, okay, this, <laughs> this is the future. This is my reality. The resurrection is true. And then he's just gone. I think I'm just guessing here, um, talking it through with Sarah this week. I think God partially uh, reveals himself to us because we cannot handle it all at once. It's not, not because it's uh, bad, but, but because it's like actually too good. Like his presence is too overwhelmingly good that we, we, don't, we can't take it in yet. And so he has to give it to us in increments or we won't enjoy him because he's too much. Teresa of Avila talks about this one experience that she had where uh, she said she felt God's favor, and she said, this favor produced such an effect in me that I couldn't contain myself, and I remained as though entranced. And then she says this, I, and I love this, I asked the Lord uh, to raise me from my lowliness or to make it stop the goodness because it was too good. Now, part of why I think Jesus eats in front of them and reveals himself in the breaking of the bread and then he just vanishes, I think what he's saying is, watch me. Watch what it means to be a human being. Don't even, don't even trust in my physical presence. Don't, don't want what you want until you don't want it. Just trust, trust and, wa- and watch what it means to live in this world and behold God's glory constantly. Pay attention, you guys, to everything that you do. Pay attention to when you eat with your families this week. Pay attention to the people that you interact with and pay attention to their, their faces. Learn, and Jesus is saying, learn from me not only what heaven will be like, but what things of this earth were intended for. And what he wants to do is he wants to raise us from the lowliness so that we can taste and see how good it all actually is. What he's doing is that he's a human beholding all of the glory of God on earth, and that's what we were meant 
to do and be. And he's showing us how to do it. He's teaching them, just like he's teaching us, I'm, I am heaven in a tangible, visible, embodied reality right in front of you. Now, I want us to imagine that for a moment. What would it be like? What would it be like if you were in the presence of somebody that you had conflict with, for instance, and all of the conflict was away? All of the hate, all all of the disgruntled nature that you may feel towards somebody else, and then you also got all of the good stuff, and that's the thing that you could interact with without all the bad stuff. Jesus, Jesus is saying, this is what the future is going to hold. You know, we all have a very complex relationship with food. I know I do. Um, it's, it's like, it's either I, I either get super obsessed with it or like I, I get guilty over it or it's utilitarian. And, and Jesus is like, imagine eating, imagine eating without any of the bad ramifications, Imagine eating food without thinking about your body, but just being, it being pleasurable, and like, that's it, and it's wonderful. It's part of what I think Jesus is doing. is like, this is what it's like to, to feast on the abundance of God's delight. Stop worrying. This is what life is like without, without worrying about the bad stuff. And I think part of the church's role in the world is to give each other and to give the world the imagination of that future reality of life without the brokenness and life without sin. That's what he's doing as he's eating bread in front of them. And like, just, just to be clear, um, you, don't have, you don't have to actually get this to like participate in the gospel. Um, everyone in this whole chapter had lost hope. They were doubting because Jesus had died. They were so full of sadness. And it, and it says in verse 41, in the midst of their disbelief, what's, what's Jesus doing in front of them? Verse 42, verse 43. He's just eating. Like, isn't that strange? And maybe not so strange, you know? Jesus, y'all, y'all have that friend maybe growing up that's like, every time they came over, they were rummaging around in your pantry and like, man, what y'all got to eat in here? Like, I... Like, that, that's what Jesus is doing. He's like, man, y'all got some fish, you know? And, and I, I do think that he was probably eating like a, a honeycomb uh, in, in large part. to it's a, it's a mirror back to the Old Testament where you enter the land of, of milk and honey when God and people dwell together. But look, here's, here's my encouragement to you this week. Think of when you sit around the table... When you sit around the table with whoever you're sitting around the table with, or if you're... Or, Whatever you're doing this week, it's more is going on than eating. And again, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what awkwardness is there or what conflict is between you and whoever's around that table. It doesn't matter how chaotic or distracted you are. Uh, I mean, it actually says when they were disbelieving, Jesus was doing this in front of their eyes, which means that God's going to do what he's going to do regardless of your attention to it. The simple question for myself and for y'all today is, do you want to get in on it? Do you want to get in on on what he's doing? Did you guys see the sunrise on Thursday morning? So like within, within three minutes, it went from 
red to orange to purple to yellow. And like me and Ambrose were just sitting there like just dumbfounded. And we're just like, oh my gosh, this is just beautiful. Um, what would have happened if we had slept through? The same thing, right? It, doesn't, it didn't matter. It's, it's going to be beautiful regardless. And, and this, this simple, the simple question that I, I keep coming back to is like, why? Why all this beauty? Why, why all the things that we love in life, whether we tap into it or not? And if you want to get real specific here, like, why, why, why are Huskers such a big deal here? And I, like, I'm, not, I'm not judging. This, I'm talking about the glory of it all. It's more, y'all know this, more than about the banners. It's more than about everybody like coming together. Like it, there's something intangible there that, that, that you want, that, you, that you're clinging to. And God's like, I, I can actually redeem that. Like what you're wanting in that at, at its base is God-shaped. And he's saying, come, come to me. I, I'm, I'm the place where, where heaven and earth collide. And very simply put, um, could it be not just that God wants to show you his glory, but he also wants to show you that he enjoys earth. And the thing he enjoys most in earth is you, his image, most plainly seen in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be found in him, that your identity is in, in him. And man, God enjoys his son, which means he enjoys you. God wants to delight in you. And this is the thing that Jesus is doing in our passage. He's showing us what it means when somebody lets themselves be delighted in by God. I'll end with this uh, kind of a famous line by, by C.S. Lewis that talks about this concept of the way to glory. He says, to, to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work and a father and a son, all of this seems impossible. A weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain but so it is. This is what you practice when you have Thanksgiving. I know it doesn't seem like it because it's just like some, some of that canned, you know, what were we talking about, Mona? The canned, the rib cranberry sauce, which y'all need to make some fresh cranberry sauce. It's way better than that <laughs> stuff. But, um, but y'all, God, God is in it all, and he'll, he'll redeem it all and has already start, started that work. He continues it through you. The simple question is, do you believe that, and do you want to get in on that? That's, that's the offer. That's the invitation. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the, the way in which you give us new insight into the, the beautiful things of this earth and how heaven unlocks it and intertwines with the things that we experience. And Lord, all, all of the, the memories of our past, if we could go back to them where we had uh, moments of freshness and, and glory and maybe even experiences with you, if we could go back to them, um, we can't manipulate you. We can't control you. You just, you come on your own terms. And so, Lord, our, our awareness this week, uh, just increase it. Increase the, the ability for us to take you in um, through Jesus Christ.
And as we confess sins and as we are assured of forgiveness, that we would, we would not be mopey about this, but that we would be reminded that you are so, you're so playful, you're so comical in how you reveal yourself and you invite us to come. And so it's a joy for us to confess sin because you're so kind and gentle with us and you invite us to feast. So will we do that right now? In Christ's name, amen.